We may be seated. Good morning. How are we doing? Awesome. We are so glad you are here this morning. Um, I am Dan. I'm the family pastor here. And so Pastor Phil is uh, still with Pastor Brian. They're leading a team of 40 in Israel. If you weren't here last week, they've been there for about 10 days. Uh, this morning, he just texted me. They are in Jerusalem today. They were at the gate where Jesus was about to walk out before he was crucified. And that's what they were looking at today. And so cool to hear some of those stories. We're excited to hear a lot of those um, when they come back. But we, we started a, last week a two-week mini-series. Um, uh, on how we can go from resting to refueling and what does that look like and what does that mean and so if you were with us last week awesome if you weren't give you a quick recap so often when we think of the idea of rest we think of kind of maybe sleep or nap time or sometimes we equate that when we're resting as laziness but rest is not laziness we last week learned that rest actually equals holiness that that when we are resting the way that God has called us to rest we are setting ourselves apart to be able to use be used by God and when we can learn that that's the purpose then we can then begin to refuel the way that Jesus showed us how to do that and we're going to do that today we're going to look at that today and the idea of refuel now when I think of refueling I think of gas in a car Um, I've shared this a little before I didn't come from a family who knew how to fix things like when it came to things around the house. Um, My dad didn't learn any of that stuff from his dad. His dad was great at it. Um, My mom's dad, awesome at it. My dad, horrible at it. Um, When it came to anything with a house, when it came to cars, we knew nothing. We'd take it to the shop. We'd hire that. And my dad so graciously passed that knowledge down to me. And so that is what I do. That's how I've learned. And so to be honest, in our home, my wife knows more about fixing things and she's fantastic than I do. So so I do the cooking. She does the, the fixing things and we're good to go, right? So that's how it works. But but so, so my knowledge when it comes to vehicles, how I learn is when there's gas in the car, it goes. When there's no gas, it doesn't go. And for any other problems, I call my wife. And so that's kind of how I live my life when it comes to vehicles, when it comes to refueling. So more than anything, the most important thing for me in a car is gas. And you have to make sure that you're, you have the car filled up and, and to be ready to go. That, that so often is how we look at our life in spiritual terms too, right? And the idea that we are at a place where we need to refuel, we need to be doing those things. And what I've learned though is when, when we're in, on empty, um, we're probably not filling up the way we're supposed to do, right? I wrote this down in my notes. It says, you will always come to a place of emptiness if you aren't refueling. And, and, and it works with our cars, right? So in vehicles, if you don't put gas, it doesn't go. Even the electric cars nowadays, if you don't charge it, it doesn't go. And so we have to have that place. And so when the emptiness comes, when the gas tank hits E, it stops. And you will always, you will always come to a place of empty if you are not refueling. And that's the way it is in our own spiritual lives. If we are not refueling, if we are not making it a regular part of who we are, then we're going to hit a place of emptiness pretty quickly. I told you last week, if you were here, that Jesus did this better than anybody. Jesus was always taking time to refuel, taking time to look at that. And we ended last week where maybe a lot of us are at that place of emptiness in Matthew chapter 11. And I want to read that for you because I think that's a great place to start where some of us have been. In Matthew chapter 11, it says, Come to me. All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden 
is light. And Jesus is talking to the, to the believers. He's saying, hey, I want you to come to me. And why could he do that? Is because he was modeling it. He was showing us. And so if you look in your notes today, at the top of it, it actually says there is a survey of Jesus, right? And so, so a lot of times you say, hey, let's go to a specific passage. Now here's the problem. If we're going to learn from Jesus, it means the entire New Testament is going to be, or the, the first four books, and if we were going to actually look at everything where Jesus rested, we're going to be here till next Sunday. And I heard some of you have some lunch plans, so I want to make sure you get out of here okay. So the survey, when we talk about a survey, it's kind of a 30,000-foot view of what's going on, right? So we're going to kind of take those things. But here's, can I encourage you something? I'm not going to give you homework. I don't like homework, but it's always good to have this challenge. We're going to look at a lot of passages where I'm going to give you a reference. If you look in your notes, it has the references of what Jesus did. I would challenge you that maybe this week, throughout your week, to go back and pick several of those passages and dive a little deeper into how Jesus did that. We're going to look at a big viewpoint of how he did this overall, but in a lot of these passages, Jesus models directly on how he refueled on a regular basis, and that's what we want to look at today. There's four ways that, um, that Jesus refueled, in my opinion, um, and we're going to look at those this morning. Number one, that refueling starts, refueling starts with proximity. Refueling starts with proximity. Proximity to who, you might ask? Well, we're in church, so the answer has to be either God, Jesus, or the Bible, right? Church answer. Right? You guys know that. You've been in church long enough. Yeah, pastor asked you a question. You give the church answer, God, Jesus, the Bible. It's going to be kind of, kind of close. And so we, it starts with proximity, so we're going to guess one of those. But can I tell you something? I don't know if I can say it. I don't like the church answer. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. And, and, here, and here's why. It doesn't always feel like it helps me. Right? And so you sit there and you're like, you come to a, someone, a spiritual mentor or pastor, and you say, man, I am going through this. And, and then you explain and you pour your guts out and they look at you and go, well, have you prayed about it? Well, yeah, okay, thanks. That doesn't help me. I mean, and, and like, and say, well, this is what's going on. I prayed a little bit. And they go, well, have you been reading your Bible lately? Right? And, and I do the accent just because that's how I feel it happens, right? But, uh, but you give that answer, and as you get that answer, you're sitting here going, that doesn't help me. Have you ever felt that way? And, and, and we're good Christians, right? Because so, that's what we're supposed to say. Someone comes to you with a spiritual problem, you say, prayer, Bible, God, Jesus. We give all the church answers, and sometimes you feel like it's not the right answer. But can I tell you something? Sometimes we give the church answer, and the church answer is there because it is the right answer. And sometimes we have to dig ourselves in a little deep and, and, and kind of go, hey, why would that be where it's at? And so when we look at this and we, and we say, okay, we need to start with proximity. Jesus started with proximity. The proximity he's talking about is to the Father. Is that he, he always was close to the Father. And yes, that's the church answer, but it doesn't mean it's the wrong answer. And so for a lot of us, we're going through things, and we have to ask ourselves, when we're struggling, when we're going through something, how close are we in proximity to the Father? How are we doing with that? And when I talk about refueling, we got to be able to start at that spot. Now, now, it's one of those things I told you about cars, no gas, don't go, gas go. So, so when we, we pull over inside road and something happens and the car stops, there's not smoke, there's not, um, you know, anything, bells and whistles, no lights are going off except the E, you know, or whatever it is. And my wife goes, well, did you put gas in the car? 
And you're like, of course I put gas in the car. And you look down and go, well, maybe not as much as I thought. <laughs> right? It's the first question, and we kind of get defensive, like, well, how dare you ask me if there's gas in the car? Well, the first question here is, how's the proximity to the Father? And, you're, and you might bristle and go, I'm doing good. I go to church. I, go, I, I read my Bible sometimes. Right? Well, maybe not as good as I think I am doing. And so we got to stop. start there when we look at this because the way Jesus did this, the way Jesus modeled this, was he started with proximity. He made sure he was close to the Father. And here's the deal. You can't grow closer with God if you are not close to God. You hear that? You can't grow closer with God if you're not close to God. I can't hug my wife if I'm not near my wife. I can't love my family if I'm always gone from my family. I can't eat a taco if I don't have a taco in my hands. That has nothing to do with any of that, but I just like tacos, so I thought I'd throw it in there. Kind of hungry right now. you, You get the point, though, right? You can't grow closer with God unless you're close to God. There's a proximity issue. And so, so often we feel, man, God, you are distant. You aren't near me. I I don't know where to go from here. And my question is, is, well, are you close to him? Right? And so Jesus did this, I I think, in various ways as we look at this and as he got proximity. But there's two, and guess what? They're going to be church answers (laughs) because that's what it is Jesus the first thing he did the way he got proximity to the father was he spent time in the Bible he spent time in the Bible how do we know he spent time in the Bible well if you look through the first four books of the New Testament Matthew Mark Luke and John he quotes 27 different Old Testament books There's only 36. 27 different Old Testament books Jesus quotes over 70 times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, over 70 times Jesus actually quotes scripture of what's going on. Now here's the deal. I don't know if you knew this. They didn't have the Bible app back then. He didn't have a pocket scroll right, where he could get all this knowledge. So how did he do it? He memorized it, right? He hid it in his heart. He took the promises of what God had told him, and he said, hey, I want to use that. Now, for some of us to go, yeah, I've memorized scriptures and things, but what I love about Jesus is whenever he's quoting scripture, he just doesn't quote scripture and then walk away, right? It's not like he comes with the Lord and says, hey, let me tell you something, and he walks away, now deal with that, right? And we might have met people in our lives who they like to quote scripture at us and walk away and the mic drop type thing. No, I love how Jesus does it. When you look through the New Testament, what Jesus does is he quotes scripture, Then he tells a story or a parable to accent the scripture. And then he usually asks a question to get us to apply that scripture to our lives. Jesus knew the word of God. He he was able to have proximity to the Father because he spent time in his word. You understand that? It's such a big deal for us. And so we ask sometimes, like, how do you get close to the Lord? You gotta spend time with them. The second thing, the second church answer that Jesus did was he spent time praying. He was constantly in prayer. 
And, and not just on certain things. Jesus was in prayer about everything. I want to give you six different occasions that Jesus spent time in prayer. And I love this because he's always going there. He prayed on special occasions. In Luke chapter 3, Jesus was about to be baptized. And he's going, hey, Lord, may your Holy Spirit fill me up. Uh, he prayed before big decisions. In Luke chapter 6, before he called all the disciples, before he went the journey to call the 12 disciples, we see that he's spending time praying before that decision. He prayed in demanding seasons. In Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus is in the wilderness with the devil who's being tempted, we see that Jesus is fasting and praying. Um, he prayed when he was with other people. It wasn't just by himself. It, it says in Luke chapter 9 that he took Peter, James, and John with him to pray on the mountainside. He prayed when he had a need in Luke chapter 22 when he was in the garden before he was about to be taken to be crucified. It says that he was there praying. He prayed when he was in pain and we see that in Matthew 27 and Luke 23 when he's on the cross and he is praying while he's in pain saying, Lord, take this from me. He's praying for the people that, that actually put him on the cross while he's in pain he's praying to surrender this thing we see Jesus praying now here's what's so cool the God of the universe who sent son Jesus to this earth Jesus the son of God he spent time praying on all occasions that means we can too so often we go oh I don't want to bother Jesus I don't want to bother the Lord I don't want to take time for that no the Son of Man was praying everywhere he went. He saw the importance of that. And, and can I tell you something? I've got to believe, if you read through the New Testament, Jesus was kind of a busy man. I've got to believe Jesus got distracted with the things that were going on. I've, I've got to believe that Jesus has other things vying for his attention, trying to get him to go towards that. And do you know, every time that those things came up, Jesus didn't widen the gap between him and the Father. What did he do? He closed it. I'm really bad at this. Whenever I go through distracting times, I try and take it on myself. Uh, whenever I go through a tough time, I use that as the excuse on why I didn't get time with the Lord. And I might be the only one in the room. I don't think I am. But I do the exact opposite so often. I'm trying. I'm working hard at it. But when things come up, I so often use them as an excuse to separate from the Father. And yet in Jesus' life, when the biggest things come up, he uses that as an excuse to get close to the Father. Wow. Proximity matters. Jesus understood that he had to be close to the Father. How is your proximity to God today? How close would you you say you are. You see, when your tank is empty, you need to fill it up. And if you're in the middle of nowhere, it's hard to fill that tank. <laughs> so you got to get to a gas station, right? How close is the proximity? The second thing, the second thing I see that Jesus did to refuel is he re refueling calls for community. 
refueling calls for community. Now, every introvert in the room, you just cringe a little bit. It's okay, all right? He's going to tell me to hang out with people. I know. Don't throw stones yet, all right? Promise, it's going to be all right. God created us for relationships. We know this. God created us for relationships. He wants us to be with people. And so often I find that we use the idea that I'm an introvert. I don't like people to not hang out with people. And we kind of use that as a mask to just kind of stay inside. And yet we're called to do it. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24, 25, it says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, catch this, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. We are called to live in community with one another so that we can encourage one another and be encouraged with one another. And you go, oh, I'm, I might be an introvert, but I have Facebook, so I'm good. Right? And you go, oh, I know all that negative stuff. It's okay because I don't post anything. I just scroll. Right? That's my community. Can I tell you, we are called for relationships, but not on a screen. So often I find social media has the opposite effect of encouraging, doesn't it? I'll spend 15 minutes on there. I'm more discouraged than when I woke up in the morning, right? See, Jesus understood that we have to have community with what, he, what we're doing. Jesus spent time with his disciples, not just to encourage his disciples, but I believe he wanted to be encouraged too. Jesus spent time with his family. You'll see that, the wedding and different things. Not just to encourage his family, but so that he could be encouraged by his family. Jesus had relationships with people. Uh, you think of Nicodemus, Lazarus, Mary Magdalene, right? All these different people. Zacchaeus, he had relationships with people. Not just to encourage them. I believe Jesus needed to be encouraged as well. He lived in community with people on purpose because it says in that scripture to encourage one another, to lift one another up because we need it. We live in a discouraging world. And we are called to have community, to spur one another on, to encourage one another, to live the way that God has called us to live. Todd, um, our high school, Todd Perkins, our high school director, and I were talking this week, and he was telling me, he goes, hey, Dan, you know, one of the things that, that I love about you um, is that everywhere you go, you're always smiling. And, and, and this isn't to pat myself on the back, because some of you have told me the same thing. And so I want to let you in on a little secret. Do you know why I smile so big at you guys? Because when I do, you smile back. Did you know that? When I look at you and I'm sitting there with my big grin and I have a big one, I know. You smile. Some of you spite it, though. Some of you are like, no. <laughs> He's trying to do it. He's trying to get me to smile. Won't do it. No, can I tell when I, when I smile and you smile back at me, can I, that just brings me so much joy. There's so much encouragement that we can give through a power of a smile in this world. You can't get that on a screen. We are called to refuel in community with one another. What would our world look like if you every week said, I'm going to find two new people to encourage every week outside these walls? You can do them inside these walls too, but two more outside these walls. What would it look like? 
if we said we want to do community in a different way. You're going to hear us talk a lot about, um, uh, we've already started about community groups here at Colonial Woods. Because we feel that that's so important for us to find the, the smaller church, the smaller community in such a big place, right? And so we want to encourage you to get in these groups, to, to find community, to encourage, to study, and, and, and do all these different things. And, if it, and it, not, nothing else, it's just to be with one another with what's going on. We want to see our world changed. You can't do that by yourself. You have to live in community. The third thing that refueling calls for, refueling calls for alone time. Now, extroverts, it's your turn to cringe, okay? This is me, not, not the alone time, the extrovert. Right? I, I love people. I enjoy people. I get fueled by people, and yet God still took time to get away. Why? To process to do those things. But this, this scares me to death because I like people. The bigger the group, the better. We just got done at a, a pastor and spouse's retreat. There's 25 different couples there. I'm in my glory. I came back. My tank was full, everything. We got home. My wife says, I need 12 hours. No one talked to me. <laughs> the second night we're there, there's a big group. We've been hanging out with people all day. They're like, hey, there's a big group of us going to pizza. I'm like, yes, I'm in. And she looks and goes, you're going by yourself then. So what do you mean? She goes, and this is the word, she goes, I need alone time. I'm peopled out. Right? And some of you are there. But for us extroverts, that scares us. Because we might have to think and process. And yet God calls us to get away. To have alone time. The way that he's called us to do that. And when you look at Jesus, he did that. He spent time with a lot of people. You'll see he was always with people. That community thing, he did really well. But he also did very well getting away. There's four times I want to look at how Jesus got away. And Luke chapter 5 is the first one. After Jesus healed the man with leprosy, so he spent time doing this miracle. It says in verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. In Matthew chapter 14, after John the Baptist was killed, after his cousin was killed, beheaded, it says there in verse 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. In Mark chapter 6, after Jesus got done feeding the 5,000, now if I'm me, I'm going around going, do you see what just happened? Fishes and loaves tonight for weeks, right? I'm going everywhere. It says in verse 45 and 46, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. And in Luke chapter 9, when Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, a voice came from a cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And when the voice spoke and they found him, they, the disciples, had found them that Jesus was alone. Almost every time, if you go through the New Testament, every time you see Jesus perform a miracle, have a big decision, one side or the other, whether at the beginning of it or at the end of it, you're almost always, almost always going to see Jesus got away by himself. Why? Because he knew he needed to refuel. He knew he could not pour into others the way that God had called him to pour into others if he was not filling up himself. Uh, on our staff here, Pastor Phil uses a phrase called, you got to dig the well deep. And what he means when he tells us that is like when you're doing your study times, when you're, when you're praying or you're reading the Bible, he goes, go the extra mile. 
If in your study time it takes you down a rabbit trail that doesn't have to do with what you're talking about, go down that. Dig the well deep. Learn, right? When you're praying and something else comes to your mind and it's the Holy Spirit, go down that. Dig the well deep. Have those times built in where you can draw from later that you might not have the time to go later and study those things, but you do now. Here's the problem. It's great advice and we do that, that regularly. But if you're not regularly filling the deep well that you've dug, you have nothing to draw from. When we get away at that alone times with the Lord, it's Him pouring back into us. That water in those wells can only be given us to us from the Son of God, from our Father in heaven. And so Jesus understood that, and Jesus said, hey, I want you to get away. And so you see that every time a miracle, big decision happens, Jesus is always getting away to get alone. And extroverts, that's tough. But in order to pour out the way that God has called us to pour out into others, and even to ourselves, we have to be, have the right source of fuel. It has to be the right place that we have that moment. How, how full is your well today? How full is your well today? Takes us back to that Matthew 11, right? Jesus knew this. We talked about last week. It may mean we need to rest. Where Jesus says, come to me in Matthew chapter 11 and I will give you rest. I will fill that well for you. How full is your well today? The fourth thing that we see from Jesus is that refueling continues with action. Now notice, we had a starting point, right? Refueling starts with proximity. So naturally, you should have an ending. Not when it comes to refueling. Refueling is a continual action step. I, I wrote down consistent action of refueling equals a consistent relationship with the Father. That when we're consistently doing a refueling station, we're going to consistently have relationship with thought. And you see this with Jesus. You see that Jesus does this on a regular basis. So Jesus is always constantly making sure that he and the Lord are good, that he's constantly being fueled. And so we're called to do the same thing to refuel the way that Jesus has called us to refuel. Can I share with you the big reveal, though? Here's the big reveal. We're all refueling with something. That you maybe feel worn out, tired, you're still refueling. It just might not be with the things that God has called you to refuel with. Right? Right? How many of you ever um, gone grocery shopping hungry? Oh, you too, okay. We're on the same page, right? Right, you go in with, it, with a plan. You have the plan, you go in with your list, and you have the list that you need, and, and so a lot of it, if you're being healthy, you, you want to make sure you hit the healthy things on the list. You go in with your $100 budget, whatever it is. You pick the, the terms of what's going on, and you go in. But you don't come out with what you did when you're going hungry. When you're, when, you're, when you're going full and you're ready to go, you go in, you do your business, you get out, you're good to go. But when you're hungry, 
right? Your list has that whole grain cereal that you're supposed to have, and it's in your cart, but it's buried under the five types of Pop-Tarts because they had new flavors, right? And so we go down there, or that skim milk that we're supposed to have to keep us healthy is great, but it's just next to the five gallons of chocolate milk because it just looks so good. And we go down in the baking aisle. Oh, man, I love the baking aisle. And, and you start picking things. Every aisle is like Christmas, right? Because you're hungry. You're like, look what they got. Honey, come here. We're like calling the kids over on the phone. Did you see they had this, right? It's everything. No, in the pizza aisle, ooh, Lord have mercy. I'm excited now because I love me some pizza, right? And so we go down, we start throwing everything in everywhere we go, and, and that's just how we shop. And so we go up to the counter, and as we get to the counter, you know, that $100 bill is now $438.72. I've got a dollar coupon, though. It's okay. So we load it into our car, and we start heading home. As we're heading home, you know what happens. You pass that McDonald's, <laughs> Taco Bell, maybe even a Texas Roadhouse. Well, by the time I unload it and I cook it, it's just easier to eat right now. Right? Y'all been there? So we eat, we get home, we unload, and now it's time to eat your dinner. And so you cook this food that you're not excited about because you're already full because you've already eaten three boxes of those Pop-Tarts. You sit down for dinner and everybody kind of looks at each other like, we're full. We're done. This is our spiritual life. We're all refueling with something. And when we're struggling and our well is dry and we're empty and we're not going to the places on a regular basis to, with the Father on a regular time consistently we start going through life and throwing stuff into the cart. So there's a relationship at work that I shouldn't be engaged in, but it makes me feel good in the moment. There's something on the internet, on my phone, an image I shouldn't be looking at. Man, it makes me feel good in the moment. Maybe your kids do something and you just go off on them when they didn't deserve that much yelling. But in that moment, it felt so good to go off on someone because you feel empty and depleted. And we go through life and we see these different things that happen and, and we're struggling. So we start throwing them into our cart, right, to fill us up. And we start filling ourselves with all the things that not, not that we saw Jesus do, but the things that in the moment, because we're starving, we're hungry in life, right? Spiritually, we throw those in there. And so then we come to church on Sunday, and we come to church on Wednesday or the times, and we say, okay, Lord, Lord, I'm ready for you to enter. And he goes, but you're already full. And you go, I didn't get anything out of that. Man, the pastor was off his game today. That worship didn't hit anything that I wanted it to. That church answer did nothing for me. Maybe it's because we're already full. On filling up on the things, not what we're supposed to, but there's not room left. You see, all this refueling, the way that Jesus has called us to refuel, is really good. As long as you got room for them.
You see, friends, that's our challenge today is that if we're going to refuel like Jesus did, we have to be in proximity to the Father, but it has to be regular. It has to happen on a daily basis. My car, if I don't fill up the gas when it's on empty, is going to have problems. And some of us have been running on fumes in our life. And so we start filling it up with anything that comes our way just to get us to the next gas station. And the Lord is telling you this morning, can you make room for me? I want to meet with you. I want you to come and I'm going to give you the rest. I want to fill you up with what you need, but you got to make room for me. Friends, do you have room for Jesus this morning? Do you have room for the water, the living water? to let it pour over you, to fill you up the way that God has called you. And if not, what do you need to remove from your life to get there so that you can be refuel the way that God has called you to refuel? That's our challenge this morning, to remove what doesn't belong so we can be filled by the Spirit of God to fill those wells with living water that will sustain us so we can pour it into every relationship we come in contact with the way that Jesus modeled for us. That's my prayer for you this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for living water. We thank you for being a gracious, good God who pursues. But this morning, Lord, would you help us, would you help me remove the things that don't belong in my life so that I can be refueled by you. I am hurting. I am struggling. And I want to come to you, Father, this morning because I'm tired but I want to be refueled by you, Jesus, by you, Lord Almighty. Thank you for being willing to do that in my life. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Friends, if you want to come forward to pray, you can while people are here. If not, that's okay too. I just pray that this, this week we remove the things in our lives that don't belong there so we can make room for Jesus. You are dismissed.